Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Chapter 16. When they landed in Sangster International Airport, Quillil tapped a sleeping beauty on the shoulder. Wake up, baby. We're here. She opened her eyes. Huh? Wake up. We're here. We are? She asked, yawning. I see your morning breaths arrived this evening, he joked. She playfully hit him on his arm. Shut up. Quillil helped her up, and they exited the plane. They grabbed their bags and walked through a crowded airport. There were beautiful black people everywhere. Their driver was waiting for them with a sign that had their names on it. He was dressed in a black suit and tie. Welcome to Jamaica. I'm your driver, Winston. He introduced himself in his thick Jamaican accent. Nice to meet you. I'm Quillil, and this is my wife, Kiara. You are a very lucky man, sir. She is beautiful. Oh, thank you, Winston. You're so sweet, Kiara told him. You're very welcome. Pleased to meet your acquaintance. Please, let me help you with your bags. Winston led them outside and loaded their luggage in the trunk of the limousine. He drove them to their hotel. It's beautiful out here, said Kiara, admiring the lovely palm trees and beautiful sunshine. I'm glad you like it so far. We're staying at a real nice resort, too. You're going to love it. I already love it, baby. Kiara winced in pain. What's wrong? I feel nauseous, she said, rubbing her belly. It's probably just jet lag. Come here. Quillil took off her heels and began rubbing her feet softly. Just relax. Mmm, that feels so good, Kiara said. She closed her eyes and leaned back in the seat, enjoying the foot massage that her man was giving her. Quillil knew how to use his hands. I want you to enjoy yourself this weekend, he told her. I am, baby. She opened her eyes and just stared at him. She was looking at Quillil like he was a full course meal. He had on a black flannel that was unbuttoned, showing off his tattooed chest and stomach, and he wore black jeans. His Marcus Garvey medallion and Cuban link were shining extra hard around his neck. Quillil's swag was palpable. Why is he so fucking fine? What? he asked, wondering why Kiara was staring at him the way she was. Nothing. So what are we going to do when we get to the resort? They got a private beach and a spa, so I thought we could hit those and have some drinks before dinner. She shouldn't be drinking. She pregnant. Sounds great, babe. Kiara scooted closer to Quillil and kissed him. He put his hands up her skirt and started playing with her already moist pussy. Kiara tried to push his hands away, but it felt too good. Baby, not in here. Shit. She hissed, grabbing onto the armrest. Quillil was rotating his fingers inside of her pussy like clockwork. Winston could hear Kiara moaning in the back, but didn't say anything. 
freaky Americans. <laughs> We're here, Winston announced. Quillil stopped playing with Kiara's pussy. She pulled her panties up and got out the car. They were staying in a secret wild orchid, one of the most exquisite resorts in all of Jamaica. Wow, baby, this place is beautiful. The scenery was amazing. The beach was nice and secluded. There were multiple pools, a gaming lounge, movie theater, five-star restaurants. Kiara couldn't wait to indulge in everything Secret Wild Orchid had to offer. I knew you'd love it. Winston got their bags out of the trunk. Quillil reached in his pocket and pulled out a $100 bill. He gave it to Winston. Thanks for the ride, brother. No, thank you, sir. Enjoy your stay. A bellhop helped him with their bags. Quillil went to check in at the front desk. Kiara's phone rang. She looked at the number and saw it was mellow. She hit ignore. She was still mad at him for slapping her. Plus, she knew he'd be pissed off about her still being with Khalil. And went to Jamaica with him. But it was her life. And she was going to live it the way she wanted to. Khalil told her he had nothing to do with Mello being locked up. And she believed him. Kiara sat down in the lobby and waited for Khalil to return. On his way to the front desk, Khalil accidentally bumped into an older gentleman. My bad, fam, he said, picking up the papers the man dropped. When Quillil handed him the papers, the man thought his eyes were deceiving him. He couldn't believe it. He had to gather himself quickly. Uh, it's all right, son, he said, staring Quillil in the face. Isn't that just a coincidence that Quillil wouldn't run into his father at this resort? Isn't it, though? Like, huh? What? In all the places in all the world, his father, who his mom doesn't want to say what actually happened in a relationship, which has happened to pop up here? I hope this ain't his daddy. I know it is his daddy. It's all right, son, he said, staring Quillil in the face. I'm Quillil, he extended his hand. I'm Kenneth. Nice to meet you, he replied, shaking his hand. My middle name is Kenneth. Go figure, Quillil told him. Strong name, the gentleman said. Quillil noticed he didn't have an accent. Where are you from, Kenneth, if you don't mind me asking? Baltimore. You? New York. I just picked up on you not having a Caribbean accent, so I figured you were probably from the States, Quillil said. The man laughed. No doubt. I'm a Baltimore baby, born and raised. My wife and I are on vacation. That's right. Be more a real-ass city. I like the way the youth turned up when them cops killed Freddie Gray a few years back. Me too. Baltimore cops been crooked for decades. It's really nothing new. Same with the NYPD. They had a lot in common. Isn't that crazy? That's a nice chain of Marcus Garvey you have on. Appreciate that. A lot of cats forget how important he was to black America. Without Garvey, there wouldn't have been a Malcolm X or Dr. King. You spelled Malcolm wrong. It's only right that I wear this in his homeland. Kenneth was impressed by the kid's knowledge. I agree. Well, I apologize again for running into you. I hope you and your wife enjoy yourself this weekend. Thanks, Kenneth said. Quillil started to walk off. Hey, me and my wife are going to try out that Blue Mountain restaurant upstairs. They're supposed to have real good Jamaican food. We would love for you to join us. I certainly will. I'll bring my lady, Quillil said before walking off. He had no idea who Kenneth really was. Kenneth hadn't spoken to Gloria in years. What were the odds of him running to his eldest son in Jamaica of all places? This had to be a sign from God. Okay, so, wait. Yeah, I had to check. So this, so Gloria told this nigga that his dad died when he was a baby. So how Kenneth recognize him? At all. I mean, unless she's sending him pictures to let him know what his baby looked like. Because if he dipped out when he was a baby, then you're not just going off of instinct to, oh, yeah, that's my son. I mean, nah, nah, I can't even fathom a way that that would work.
What the fuck is going on? Mello didn't know why Kiara wasn't answering any of his calls. In his mind, he wasn't in the wrong for putting his hands on her. Quillil was his enemy, which made him her enemy too. The fact that she was messing with him was a violation. I know she's not in Jamaica with that bitch-ass nigga after I told her not to be. He sent her a text. Where you at? We need to talk. He put his phone down and continued counting the money on the table. Business was going well. Harlan was showing him love just like the old days. Yo, Charlene, here, he said, handing her her cut for letting them use her crib to keep the drugs. Thanks, Mello. You need me to do anything? Nah, you good for now, baby. Charlene was a cute big girl. Mello fucked her from time to time, but it was nothing serious. There was a knock on the door. They both grabbed their pistols off the table. Who is it? Mello asked in a demanding tone. Rich. Mello looked at her peephole. When he saw it was in fact Rich, he opened the door. What's good? We need some more work. We ran out, Rich told him. It's some in the back. Rich went to the back room and came back with baggies of coke and pills. This should be enough for the rest of the day, he told Mello. Make sure none of them fiends getting high on the block, too. For sure. I already know the drill. Mello nodded. I like how you've been handling things around here. you really been holding shit down. Mello liked what he saw in Rich. He was about his money and had a short fuse for bullshit just like him. Appreciate that. Have you talked to Busy today? He was supposed to be over here already. I tried calling him, but his ass didn't answer. Nah, I ain't hollered at him since yesterday. Alright, I'm about to head out for a minute. Hold it down, he told Rich. I got you. Mello threw on his jacket, went downstairs and hopped in his black Maxima. I ain't gonna be driving this shit too much longer. He had enough money now to cop some exclusive shit. He planned on hitting a dealership soon and copping some new wheels. He was thinking Benz, Beamer, or some type of SUV. Mello bobbed his head to little Boosie's hit song from back in the day, Wipe Me Down. It may have been 2019, but Mello still loved that record. He fucked a lot of girls to it. I pull up to the club, VIP, gas tank on E, but all drinks on me, Wipe Me Down. I, I don't know the fucking song. Like, what, what the fuck do y'all want from me? Like, nigga, it rhymed. You're welcome. I don't... Look, so I got to be real with you. I didn't listen to Little Boosie. Never have. Probably never will. As a matter of fact, until just now, I really thought his name was Little Bootsy. And out here on the West Coast, if you Bootsy, you ain't, I ain't fucking with you. So I was like, why the fuck would he name himself Bootsy? Unless your name is Bootsy Collins, nigga, get out my face. So I thought Little Boosie's name was Little Bootsy all this time. And so I didn't listen to his Bootsy ass. But that's on me. I might go back and find him. I mean, I heard Swag Surfing a couple days ago. That wasn't bad. It wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. So this Wipe Me Down might not be bad either. Mello rapped along. Since he couldn't get a hold of Kiara, he was headed to see Maxine to see if she had talked to her. Oh, that's where Busy's at. He knew they talked to each other every day. When he pulled up to Maxine's building, he saw Busy come outside. The hell he doing over here? Seconds later, Maxine followed behind him. Mello sat back in his ride and watched as Busy kissed her and grabbed her ass for the world to see. Ain't this some shit? Mello was heated. He continued to watch them as the pair continued kissing. It looked like they were about to get it in, right in plain view for everybody to see. Mello laughed on the inside. If he'll fuck my bitch behind my back, ain't no telling what kind of grimy shit he's capable of. Nigga, you literally left her for, her, for his sister. Priorities, nigga. Like, you said that she was too much for you and Kim was just what you needed. So you got Kim and you got Charlene, if necessary. But, you know, leave Maxine alone. Let her be happy. 
Mello, however, wasn't about to let this slide. His pride wouldn't let him. Busy eventually got in his car and left. I'll deal with his ass later. Mello's phone rang, interrupting his train of thought. It was G's. Yo, he answered. What's good, son? Where you at with it? Just making some runs. What's the deal? I'm in your city, fam. A word? What you doing out here? AK invited me out to Supreme tonight, so I'm going to slide through there and see what's good with that. Mello immediately grew suspicious. AK, when you talk to him, Mello asked. He hit me a few days after you came to see me. I ain't hollered at him or Quilil in a minute, so it was a surprise. But he just asked me to fall through and chill with him and his people this weekend at the club. Mello knew something wasn't right about this. Did you tell him I was out? Nah, you asked me to keep that on the low and that's what I did. Your name never came up in the conversation. Mello started to think, why would AK call G's just out of the blue and invite him to their club right after he copped some bricks from him? Somebody must have seen me at G's a spot and told Khalil or AK. Now he's going to try and press G's for some info about me. Mello thought some more. Alexis. He remembered Alexis calling his name when he was walking through the crowd at G's after our spot. He knew she messed around with AK and figured she probably told him that she had seen him. Don't roll up there tonight, he told G's. Huh? Don't go to Supreme. Why not? You walking into a setup, G. Trust me, I know. What you talking about? AK invited you to the club so we can press you about if you know anything about me being out of prison and if I was down there to cop work. If you say no, they probably gonna kill you. What? Hell nah. Real shit. How you know that? And why would AK care that you out anyway? I thought y'all were cool. Because him and Quilil are the reason I went to prison in the first place. Huh? Mello broke down everything to G's about how they set him up to take the fall for two murders he didn't commit so they could take over his drug empire. That's some foul shit, homie, G said. And to make matters worse, I just found out my little sister's dating this nigga Quilil. Damn, son, that's fucking nuts. Tell me about it. AK told me Quilil wasn't going to be at Supreme this weekend because he was going out of town with his girl. That girl's your sister? Yeah, fam. Fucked up shit, ain't it? I told Key to dump dude because shit's about to get real, but I don't think she even listened. She still went to Jamaica with the nigga, even though I told her he was the reason I went inside. You can't tell bitches shit when the dick's involved, Mello said annoyed. Okay. That's true. I'm just, I'm saying okay because, you know, I thought niggas, as horrible as we are towards women, I thought that y'all at least respected your moms and your sisters and your wives. Like, um, rappers back in the day used to be like, the only women I respect is my mother and my sister. Disrespect, I'll break your neck. Everybody else, like everybody else ain't somebody's mother or sister. But, damn, you calling your own sister a bitch. That's crazy. That's true. I didn't know Q and AK was grimy like that, though. I remember them little niggas working up under you back in the day. I never knew they were the reason you got sent upstate. I never told nobody. But I'm out now, and them niggas about to fill me in a real way, Mello stated. What you got in mind, G's asked him. He figured if he could help Mello get rid of Quilil and AK, Mello could take over Harlem, which meant he would cop more bricks with him, ultimately putting more money in his pocket. It was a win-win for both parties. Some gangster shit, Mello said. He was ready to exact his revenge once and for all. Chapter 17 AK sat in the office staring at the pile of cocaine on the desk. Oh, AK's about to die. There was a club full of people he was supposed to be entertaining, but instead he was playing with the devil's dandruff instead. <laughs> I've never heard that phrase before. The devil's dandruff. 
He bent his head down and buried his nose in it like Al Pacino and Scarface. You spelled Pacino wrong. Quillil didn't allow drugs inside the club, but he wasn't there, so AK could snort all the white sand he wanted to. There was a knock at the door. AK quickly put the cocaine in a bag and stuffed it in one of the drawers. He wiped off his hands and nose and went to answer it. Who is it? he asked. Red, he opened it. What up? AK greeted him. Red could see something wasn't right with him. His eyes were bloodshot red and he kept flicking his nose. You good, man? Red asked him. Yeah, I'm straight. What's the deal? It's some cat named G's at the front door saying you invited him? Okay, cool. Let him in. How many niggas he with? Two. Alright. Tell security to take him to VIP. I'll be down there in a moment. You want me to come with you? Red asked. Nah, I'm good. Go chill. I got this. AK grabbed his burner out the drawer and tucked it in his backside. Red didn't know who this G's dude was, but he had a funny feeling that something was about to go down. AK took Peg and a couple soldiers with him to VIP. They waited for G's and his people to come to their section. Minutes later, G's and two of his homeboys were being escorted by one of the bouncers to where AK and his crew were chilling at. G's, what's good, playboy? AK said, dapping him up. G's was iced out from the charms on his wrist to the blinged out cross around his neck. You know, different toilet, same shit, dog. These my people, Wack and Gina. AK nodded his head towards him. Both were hefty built dudes. It's been a minute since we kicked it. It has, man. I can't even front, though. Y'all got some beautiful women out here in Harlem. Sheesh. Jeez looked around, admiring all the sexy ladies in the club. We stay with those, my guy. It's New York. Y'all still got Harlem on lock, I see. You already know. Shit been getting a little hectic lately, but we still getting money out this bitch, AK told him. Hectic, huh? Anything you need help with? Jeez asked. Actually, there is something you can help me out with. Go ahead with it, Jeez said, pouring himself some Moet. I'm hearing Mellow's out the bing and was down at your after-hours spot copping weight. Is that true? AK looked G's dead in the eye. His stare was cold. G's didn't budge. He returned the same type of stare. He was a street nigga too and wasn't afraid of Quillil or his partner in crime. Even though G's was in AK's backyard, he still felt at home. He finished off his drink before he answered AK's question. Yeah, Mellow came by the spot not too long ago. Why? What was he there for? G's continued the conversation. I was shocked to see him. I mean, he was sentenced to life, so seeing him pop up in my spot was crazy. He told me he beat his case on appeal. I didn't ask him any questions, but the shit is wild. Yeah, it is, AK said. Mellow's your man, though, ain't he? You ain't hollered at him since he been out? Nah, we kind of fell out after he went inside. I see. So you doing business with him? We all know you was his connect back in the day. Why else would he be making a trip to D.C.? AK wasn't beating around the bush. He was ready to put a bullet in G's if he didn't tell him the truth. Nah, we're not doing business together. He was trying to cop weight on consignment. I don't do business like that. So our meeting was short. AK nodded. G's wasn't giving him any indication that he was lying, so he had to take his word. You know where he resting his head at? Yeah, I got an address on him. You want it? No doubt. What is it? G's felt around his pockets. Oh shit, I left my phone in the whip and the address in there. You want to follow me outside so I can give it to you? AK turned back to Peg. I'll be right back. Stupid motherfucker. You want me to come with you? Peg asked him. Peg didn't trust G's as far as he could throw him. Nah, I'm good. Just chill here till I get back. Keep an eye on these niggas, AK said in Peg's ear. AK led G's out the back way. Red was watching from afar on the club. While AK and G's were walking, he saw G's turn back to the dudes he came with and give them some type of hand signal. Red was the only one to pick up on it. Somehow. 
Like, okay. Red noticed Wack get on his phone after G's gave him that signal. Something ain't right. Red tried to hurry after him, but the crowd of people dancing in front of him held him up a bit. Where this nigga hat? Mello asked impatiently. He was sitting in his car in the parking lot, waiting for G's to come out with the AK. His pistol sat on his lap. He taking too long. He was supposed to be out here already, Busy said. Mello looked over at him. You got somewhere to be? Nah. I then chill, Mello told him. How you telling me to chill and you just asked where these niggas at? Busy shot back. He was supposed to be meeting up with Maxine and wanted to get this over with as soon as possible. Mello's phone vibrated. He got a text from Jesus' boy, Whack. They just went out the back. A huge smile across Mello's face. You mean formed across Mello's face or... You know what? My nigga, it's showtime, he said aloud. He started his ride up and pulled around the back of the club. Where you park at? AK asked G's. In the front. G's strode behind him. These niggas need to hurry up. G's didn't have a piece on him. He was naked, but he had a plan. Tell me something, dog. What's that? What kind of bitch-ass niggas set their own man up to go to jail? AK stopped walking and turned around. That's your plan, nigga? That's your plan? You know what? I got a plan. Why y'all do that? I ain't got no gun. I'm butt naked out here. I'm in a lot of danger, but I got a plan. Why y'all niggas put y'all nigga in jail like that? What was the plan? Did you... What? what? That's a stupid-ass plan. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me make it even stupider. I got a plan. What type of bitch-ass niggas is you anyway? Sending your man to, to prison. Fucking bitch-ass niggas. Bitch-ass. Bitch-ass? AK stopped walking and turned around. G's had a frown on his face. Nigga, what you say? AK stepped right to G's, ready to rearrange his whole grill. I know all about you and Quilil setting up Mello for that double murder. Y'all niggas gonna pay for that, starting with you. Nigga, you ain't got no weapon. You ain't begotten no gun, my nigga. Why are you talking reckless? Why are you speaking? Why are you... Nigga, what? You're behind him. Like... If you want to do something, if you want to get your revenge, if you got a plan, this ain't it. Your plan is something like, you know, kick one of his feet into the other until he trips and stumbles a little bit and then be like, my bad, and just keep walking. That should be your whole ass plan. But your butt naked behind the building with no homies wondering where Mellow and uh, Busy are. So what you should do is shut the fuck up and just walk. But nope, y'all bitch ass niggas, bitch ass niggas, you bitch ass nigga. Y'all sent that nigga to jail like some bitch-ass niggas. I ain't got no gun, though. I, I ain't begotten no weapon. I just want to say what's on my mind, what's on my chest. I feel it so strongly. Y'all niggas some bitch-ass niggas. That was stupid. And then say that these niggas gonna pay for it, starting with you. Nigga, you ain't got no gun. You ain't got nothing. AK quickly grabbed the Glock 19 he had tucked in his backside, but G's knocked it out of his hand before he could shoot it. AK's stupid, too. The two of them started fighting, trying to get to the gun, and they both stupid. While they were wrestling on the ground, all you heard were tires screeching. AK glanced back to see who was driving. That gave G's enough time to get to the piece. By the time AK turned back around, he was staring down the barrel of his own gun. Payback is a bad bitch, ain't it? G's asked rhetorically. You got so fucking lucky, my nigga. Like, these are like the niggas who throw a Hail Mary at the end of bunk-ass Madden 23 and be like, yeah, man, I meant to do that shit. No, the fuck you didn't. I'm calling y'all niggas G's from here on out. AK gave a light chuckle. Fuck you, nigga. He spat. 
If this is how he's going to go out, then so be it. He wasn't about to give Jesus satisfaction of seeing him sweat. Mellow and Biggie got out the car and started walking towards him. AK closed his eyes as Jesus raised a pistol. Say goodnight, motherfucker. Boom! The shot echoed. AK opened his eyes back up. He felt around his body. I didn't get hit. He saw G's grabbing his chest. His blood was leaking from it. Boom. Okay, so this nigga Mello about to tell AK, if you help me set up Quilil, man, I'm going to bring you to the front. I hope he just murdered this nigga. Nigga high anyway. The second shot made him drop to the ground, ending his life. Red was standing behind him with his burner aimed at him. He saved AK's life. Mello saw Jesus' body drop. Fuck! He started shooting with no regard. Red shot back and took cover. So I, I guess the, the no gun thing like the bodyguards and checking people for weapons at the club ain't really shit. Anyhow, AK grabbed his gun and fired shots in Mellow and Busy's direction. That's a horrible comma. I know I said I wasn't going to meet com or speak on commas no more, but that one was bad. Um, before running behind a wall, they were engaged in a full-fledged shootout in the back parking lot of Supreme. AK sent the shot that missed Mello's head by inches. It was like a scene out of the wild, wild west. Shots were flying everywhere. Seconds later, Busy heard police sirens. Shit. Fuck, let's just get out of here, man, he screamed. When Busy tried to get back in the car, Red shot him in the shoulder, and the bullet came out his back. Ah, fuck, he yelled in pain. He was able to get inside the car, but he was in pain and losing a lot of blood. He needed to get to a hospital fast. Mellow ain't taking you to a hospital. You fucking Maxine, he about to shoot you and kick you out the car. Mellow continued to exchange shots with AK and Red, but none of them connected. The sirens were getting closer. Mellow knew the cops were closing in on him. He emptied his magazine, but to no avail. AK was still alive. Mellow would have to get him another time. He hopped back in his car. Ooh, you lucky his magazine empty. Otherwise, you'd be dead, dead. Red's last shot shattered the glass on Mello's side view mirror. Busy was holding his shoulder in the front seat. Mello looked over at him, not feeling an ounce of pity. Let's get you to the hospital, fam, he said with a smirk. He drove off as fast as he could. Once the police crashed the scene, everyone ran out the club frantically. Red got out of sight. AK tried to run behind him, but the cops swarmed in on him as he tried to get away. Drop your weapon and get on the goddamn ground now, a cop yelled at him. He was surrounded by twelve. AK knew he was in a no-win situation. Fuck. He put his gun down and laid on the ground. He had no choice but to surrender. Quilil and Kiara were having a blast in Jamaica. They took advantage of everything the resort had to offer. Nigga, y'all only there for three days. Like, come on. They hit the spa, walked on the beach, made love on the beach, took a dip in the pool, made love in the pool, ate some food, made love in the restaurant, got kicked out the restaurant, asked to get back in the restaurant, bribed some officials, got kidnapped, fought their way back, ran into that nigga Carter, young Carter, walked through Jamaica from end to end, talked to the niggas from Belly, talked to Lennox because he murdered for fun. You know, went to a concert, saw Sean Paul, met DMX. Shit was crazy. You got three days, nigga. You know what I can do in three days? Not much. If you go on a three-day cruise versus a seven-day cruise, that's cool. But you know you ain't doing much in that three days. You ain't going nowhere. If you're in California and you go on a three-day cruise, here's where you go to. I'm deadly serious. This is not a joke. If you're in California and you get on a carnival cruise... A three-day carnival cruise going out of Long Beach. Here's where you go. Your first stop, 
when you leave Long Beach, it's fucking San Diego. Then you go to Catalina, which is right underneath San Diego. It's literally a, a little speck outside of San Diego. Then you go down to La Ensenada or Ensenada, I think, where it's hella poor people. Like it's sad as fuck. And they're all asking you for money and you feel horrible. And they send you to a fucking uh, geyser called La Bufadora that doesn't even fucking work. And then you go back home. That's three days. Tell me you did everything you could at this fucking resort in three days. Suck my ass, man. They did a little shopping at a few of the luxury stores at the hotel. Once night hit, they joined Kenneth and his wife Melissa for dinner at Blue Mountain. Wait, you telling me that you took advantage of everything the resort had to offer day one? Like, in the hours before you went to meet Kenneth and his wife, y'all did everything. Y'all made love in the on the beach and, and, and walked and went shopping. And that's all they got is the beach and the pool and shopping? Hmm. Okay. Quilil, this my lovely wife, Melissa. Baby, this Quilil, Kenneth introduced him. Melissa immediately saw the resemblance of her husband and Quilil. He was just as handsome as Kenneth was at that age. Even though they went on to have three beautiful children of their own, Melissa still hated the fact that Gloria was able to give Kenneth a child before she did. Gloria may have been the side chick, but she would always have that over Melissa. Kenneth and his wife had trouble conceiving in the beginning stages of their marriage. The frustration of not being able to have a baby led to arguments and tension in their relationship. He ended up meeting Quilil's mom, Gloria, at the bank one day and they hit it off. Kenneth didn't reveal to Gloria that he was married until after they started messing around. By the time he told her the truth, she was already pregnant with Quilil. Kenneth wanted her to get an abortion at first, but Gloria refused. Melissa eventually forgave her husband for his adulterous ways, but it wasn't easy. She never forgot, though. It's a pleasure to meet you, Quilil said, shaking her hand. Melissa was a beautiful woman. Her high cheekbones, mocha-colored skin, and beautiful long brown hair was something to behold. She was toned and in shape. Melissa was 50 years old, but didn't look a day over 35. Why is there a fucking quotation mark there? Same here, she said. This is my beautiful wife, Kiara, Quilil introduced her. Nice to meet you, miss, Kenneth said, shaking her hand. You have amazing eyes, Melissa complimented her. Thank you. It's a pleasure to meet you both. They all sat down. A waiter brought them menus. It didn't take them long to order. While they waited for their food, Kiara excused herself to the ladies' room. I'll go with you, dear. I need to freshen up myself, Melissa said. As soon as they were out of ears reach, Quilil looked at Kenneth. Man, how you pull that, he asked, referring to how stunning his wife was. I got game, player. I got game, he joked. That's right. I seen it all, son. I came from nothing. My mom worked hard to keep food and a roof over my head. I grew up in Cherry Hill, an area in be more that a lot of people never make it out of. Dodging death became a daily routine, but when it came down to it, I was tired of being broke, so I started hustling when I was young. And by the time I was 19, I was seeing major paper in the city. I was telling cats twice my age what to do, Kenneth explained. Nigga, you, I know you think this is your son. I know, and I know it's your son because fuck it, we just heard the whole backstory. But can you be sure? You're really just exposing all your dirt and all your gain to a stranger. That's not wise. Damn, that's real. Did you ever get caught up? Nah, I was one of the lucky ones. The feds never came for me. 
do you still, you know, Quillel asked him. Nah, I got out years ago. I'm too old to be hustling now. That's a young man's game. I use all my street money to open legit businesses. I own a couple dealerships now, and I just launched my own record label. That's incredible, Quillil told him. He didn't even know Kenneth that well, but he was soaking up all the game he was lacing him with. A dealership is definitely something I would like to open one day. You can. It's not as hard as you may think. If you ever need help or advice on how to go about it, hit me up. I'll be glad to help you. For real? Of course, you're my I mean, yeah, of course I'll help. Mm. Kenneth wanted to tell Quillil the truth, but he was hesitant. He knew Gloria told him he was dead, but Quillil deserved to know the truth. Quillil, it's something I have to tell you. What is it? Look, I'm your... We're back! Kiara said, unknowingly interrupting Kenneth from revealing himself as Quillil's biological father. Both Kiara and Melissa sat down, and their food was brought by their waiter shortly after. Everything looked delicious. Quillil ordered jerk chicken, red beans, and rice and vegetables. He tried ginger beer for the first time and loved it. Kiara scarfed down her Jamaican-style grilled chicken like it was nothing. Once everyone was done with their food, Kenneth figured this was the best time to come clean. Quillil, I haven't been forthright with you since we ran into each other earlier. Today. Like, a few hours ago. Quillil looked at Melissa and noticed she looked a little uneasy. Melissa, you alright? He genuinely asked her. I'm fine, baby, Melissa said, giving the floor back to her husband. Kenneth went on. I don't, I don't really know how to say this. Say what? Quillil inquired. He didn't know what Kenneth was trying to say. That I'm your... Quillil's phone rang, cutting Kenneth off once again. It was Red calling. Quillil picked up. What's the deal? You need to get back to the city ASAP. Shit is all bad right now, bro, Red said adamantly. What you talking about? What happened? There was a shootout tonight at the club. What? By who? That nigga G's and some other cats he was with. What other cats? Some big dude with long dreads and a teardrop tat on his face with a light-skinned, fake-ass, busybone-looking nigga, Red described. Quillil knew the first description was of mellow. I slumped that punk nigga G's, but AK got arrested. How the fuck all this shit happened in one night? I don't know, but the police said they shutting the club down until further notice. Shutting down the club? Quillil asked in disbelief. Yeah, bro, you need to get back here as soon as you can, like for real. I'm about to hop on the next plane back. I'm going to hit you when I touch down. All right. Quillil hung up. His whole demeanor changed. Something wrong, baby? Kiara asked. We got to leave. That's fine. I'm kind of tired anyway. No, not leave this restaurant. We got to leave Jamaica. Now. What? Why? She asked. Is there anything all right, Quillil? Kenneth chimed in. He could see Quillil was upset about something. Yeah, just some important business I got to take care of back home. Thanks for inviting us out, though. We had a really good time. Quillil got up. So did Kiara. It was nice meeting you, Melissa, Quillil said. You too. I hope everything goes well with whatever you have to take care of. Me too. If you need anything, don't hesitate to call me, Kenneth told him. I appreciate that. You didn't give the nigga your number. Quillil grabbed Kiara by the hand and went to their room. Why do we have to leave, Kiara asked him, once they made it to their suite. There was a shooting at Supreme. A person got killed, AK got arrested, and the cops shut the club down. Oh my God, she said, shocked. I'll start looking for the earliest flights back to New York. While Kiara was doing that, Quillil called Frank. Hey, Quillil, I was just about to call you. Your club is all over the news. There was a shooting, Frank said. I know. I just found out about it. 
It seems AK got hemmed up too. Oh, no, nah, that's terrible. I know. I need you to find out where they're holding them and find out how much his bail is. I'm about to be leaving Jamaica as soon as I can get on a flight. Not a problem. I'll call you when I find out what's going on. Appreciate it, Frank. Quillil hadn't been out of the country 10 minutes and everything went to pure shit back home. Damn, you right. Chapter 19. AK was sitting in an interrogation room at the NYPD 25th Precinct, waiting to be questioned. He leaned back in his chair, looking directly at the one-sided glass mirror. Y'all can suck my dick, he yelled to the police on the other side. He knew they were watching him. AK was mad at himself for getting caught up like this. He was glad G's bitch ass was dead, but Mello was still breathing, and he was facing a multitude of charges. He wasn't trying to go back to jail, but the cards were stacked against him. This nigga about to snitch on somebody. I gotta think of a way to get out of this shit. He knew things weren't looking good for him. After minutes of sitting alone, the door opened and in came Detective Schaefer with a folder in his hand. He was cheating from ear to ear. Not this racist-ass motherfucker. Mr. Meeks, I knew we'd meet again, but I didn't think you were dumb enough to get caught up like this. How's it going, though? Wait, don't answer that, he laughed. AK remained silent. That's his right. Are you parched? You want some water? Soda? Anything? Schaefer was mocking him, but AK remained quiet. Well, let's get right to it. It's not looking good for you, dog. We have you on possession of an unregistered handgun, firing an unregistered firearm, being a felon with a handgun, and we find a sizable amount of cocaine in the office of the club you partly own. With your criminal record, you're looking at 15 easy. AK knew he was fucked in the game. That's not all, though. We both know what you do for a living. If we keep digging, I'm sure we'll have you on racketeering charges, conspiracy, tax evasion, you name it. By the time you get out of prison, your grandkids will have grandkids, Schaefer stated emphatically. He sat down across from AK at the table. But if you cooperate with us, I can get your sentence significantly reduced to a few years, possibly probation even. Schaefer slid the folder towards AK. He opened it up. There was a picture of Quillil staring him right in the face. He pushed the folder away in disgust and looked away. Schaefer wanted him to snitch. Schaefer stared AK down, trying to see if there was any crack in his usually tough demeanor. I know you deal weight. I know all your businesses with Mr. Sheldon are fronts, but I don't want you. I want your partner. Anything incriminating you have on Quillil Sheldon, I want it, and I'll spare you, Schaefer stated. AK sat there in deep thought. I'm facing football numbers. Ain't no way I could beat this shit if I take it to trial, but I can't rattle my dog. Snitching went against everything he stood for. It violated the street code. Schaefer could sense AK was debating whether or not to flip, so he laid it on some more. Be smart, Aaron. Help me help you. I ain't no snitch, AK said half-heartedly. I know you're not, but it's either give up Quillil, who really only cares about himself, or be ready to share a shower with Jamal and Carlos up north. It's your choice. AK clenched his jaw in anger. You have 48 hours to make a decision. Here's my card. Call me when you decide it. And remember, this is the most important decision in your pathetic life, Schaefer told him sternly. He knew he had AK right where he wanted him. Just as Schaefer got out of his chair, Frank came walking in with his briefcase in hand. He was dressed to impress in his gray Armani suit. Is he allowed to talk to him without his attorney? Oh, look, if it isn't Mr. Frank Johnny Cochran, Schaefer joked. Frank didn't find it funny. Nobody has time for your racial jokes today, Schaefer. My client is supposed to bail. Come on, Aaron, let's go. AK got up from his seat and walked towards the door.
Before he left, Schaefer pointed at his watch, signaling that time was ticking on his decision to flip on Quillil or not. Mello showed up on Maxine's doorstep with a 40 ounce in his hand. He knocked on her door and waited for her to answer. Everything went wrong last night. With G's dead, he no longer had a connect to cop bricks from, and he was currently running low on product. He was asked out. He still hadn't spoke with Kiara, and figured she was somewhere with Quillil, which only made him angrier. I'ma kill that nigga Quillil when I find him. Maxine came to open the door, wearing some booty shorts and a bra. Mello didn't waste any time. He grabbed her and started kissing her. Maxine didn't resist his aggressiveness. They ended up in her bedroom. Mello took one last swig of his 40 before putting it down on the dresser. He was already a little buzzed. Maxine undressed. So did he. Turn around, Mello told her. She gladly did. He put on a rubber and put it in. Ooh, shit, she hissed as he positioned his dick inside of her. He started off slow. And mellow. Maxine was enjoying the rhythm in which he was fucking her, but things quickly changed. Mellow became more aggressive. This wasn't a pleasure fuck for him. He wanted her to suffer for sleeping with Busy behind his back. Mellow slapped Maxine on her ass. Shit, she moaned. He slapped her on her ass as hard as he could, leaving a welt on her cheek. Ow, she screamed in discomfort. Calm down, Mellow, that shit hurt, she told him. Shut up, bitch, he told her rudely. Maxine had enough. I'm not feeling this no more. Stop, she said, clear as day. She tried to turn around, but Mellow punched her in the face, blurring her vision. Shut up, bitch. I ain't stopping shit. You wanted to fuck my homeboy, now you're going to pay the price for being disloyal. Maxine knew he was talking about busy. He pinned her down, thrusting himself roughly inside of her. She tried to reason with him. Mello, please, let me explain. Don't do that. It wasn't like, ow, she screamed in pain. Mello pulled out. So this is me. Um, I know I'm in the midst of reading this book and all, but uh, the next part was extremely graphic sexual violence. And I, I mean, I know y'all, y'all are adults and this is, this is explicit content. Like, I tell y'all that this shit's explicit, but still, like, I know what he's trying to convey in this, and I know what he's doing, but still, like... <sighs> okay, so, this isn't nearly as bad as that other book, because that other book was making light of real victims. So, I guess what I need to go ahead and do is just ante up and read this part, but I'm telling y'all, this is... I, I mean, there's really niggas who probably act like this. Like, that's the that's the horrible part. Okay, so um, this next part, like I said, even with an explicit content, there's I'm going to tell you right now that there's a, a content warning and it's going to last for the next minute and 10 seconds. Mello pulled out and shoved all 10 inches of his manhood into her ass. He didn't even bother to use KY jelly. He wanted it to be as rough and painful as possible. He laughed as he saw blood dripping from her ass. He kept ramming his penis in her backside. Mello was so into the torture he was putting on Maxine, he began foaming at the mouth like a maniac. You wanted to act like a hoe, so now I'm going to treat you like one. Blood began to trickle down her legs as she begged him to stop. Her cries fell on deaf ears. She had never even done anal before, and it showed by all the blood. Mello ripped her completely. Mello, please stop, she cried. She was at his mercy. 
He laughed at her helplessness as he rammed his dick further inside her asshole, causing more blood to appear. Maxine prayed it would be over. That's all she could do. When he was done, he looked at her in pure disgust. Maxine lay on the bed, unable to move a muscle. Her ass and vagina were severely sore. Blood was all over her sheets. Her crying by satisfaction of mellow. You wasn't crying when you was fucking that nigga, so don't cry now, bitch. He got dressed and grabbed his 40 ounce off the dresser. He looked back at Maxine and spit on her. I got rid of your boy, too, he laughed, referring to Busy. Mella was through with her. He left out of her place with a huge grin on his face. So here's my thing. First of all, like I said, I understand why this part was written. She said that earlier in the book that if Mello knew that her and Busy were together, he'd kill them both, whatever, whatever. But I just want to reiterate that in no place in this book did it show that they were actually in a relationship, like a committed relationship. And he put her on ice because she broke up with him because she thought that he was cheating on her in D.C. Um, and that's the thing that upsets me. Like, you literally wrote it where it's logical that this shouldn't happen, and yet this dude still has this possessiveness over this woman that is completely unfounded. Like, completely unfounded. Like, you're fucking busy sister and you feel horrible you feel upset that he's fucking somebody you don't even like like that is just that's literally honestly the way it seems men operate and it's 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 worrisome uh to say the least that this is where we are now um that we believe that we have ownership over people that we have uh, license to hurt women because they don't live up to the standards that we're not living up to either. Um, and I know that this is the book. I know that this is the urban uh, fiction. I know that there's people out there who will lap this up, but there's also people out there who will read this and they will think that this is okay. This will think they will think that this is what it is. Like, you may not be the biggest author on the block, but my nigga, you're still an author. Your words still carry some sort of power and weight. I just, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. And also, this literally should make it to where Mello, I know you were trying to set him up to be the villain in this. This is literally setting him up because at first, yeah, he was in the right. Like they set him up for a double murder he didn't commit. He had you wanted him to be able to do something bad so then people would be upset at him. If that was your goal, you succeeded. I feel that. But now Kiara should be mad at Mello too and be with Khalil because he literally just sexually assaulted and humiliated her best friend. So we gotta speak on that as well. Like these things are very real and they can't be taken back. Oh, God, I, I, I just, I, as a child of abuse, I just really can't stand this shit. And I can't stand when women are used as a pawn or as a torture device in a book. Um, and it seems like in nearly every single um, urban fiction novel that I've read thus far, a woman is used as a punching bag or a device of torture. The worst one was the cartel, by far, by far. Like, that was awful. 
and it was unnecessary. Um, but there's books that I stopped reading because of the same thing. Horson was just as bad. And so now we're here with this. And I'm hoping that, um, I'm hoping that this gets, I don't know. There's no real walking back from this. There's none. I will say though, um, that in light of what was just read, um, the national sexual assault hotline is available 24 hours a day. Uh, and their telephone number is 1-800-656-4673. Uh, you can also go to RAIN, R-A-I-N-N, uh, which is the nation's largest anti-sexual violence organization. Uh, it's RAIN.org. Um, and get confidential 24-7 support. Um, or you can call RAIN at 1-800-AGAIN. 656-4673 oh, 800-656-HOPE Just because I read it doesn't mean I have to like it. It's a part of the book. But the way that I'm set up, that shit made me sick. Real talk. And, oh, man, there's probably people out there who just read that and it was no thing. That's wild. Like, there's people who probably read that and it was just like a sentence to them and Y'all better than me, I guess. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Uh, leave review on Spotify. Uh, leave review on Podchaser. Leave review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can also leave review on the Good Pods app and on Amazon Music. Uh, you can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast. One dollar a month will get you a ton of uh, bonus content. You can also donate at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast or on the Good Pods app. You can leave a tip in the tip jar. Thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm hot you later. Peace. Outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. <laughs>